Straits brings legal and business insights at the intersection of the shipping and energy sectors. This podcast series offers trends, developments, challenges and topics of interest from Reed Smith litigation, regulatory and finance lawyers across our network of global offices. If you have any questions about the topics discussed on this podcast, please do contact our speakers. Welcome to this episode of Trading Straits on the Reed Smith podcast channel. I'm Vasya Payataki, a commodities arbitration lawyer in the London office of Reed Smith, and I'm here with Thor Malouf, a transportation lawyer in our London office. Thor and I will talk at this episode about what we have seen in commodities and shipping arbitrations in the course of the last six months following the much-anticipated decision of the English Supreme Court in the Halliburton and Chubb case, which was made at the end of November 2020. This decision has attracted a lot of attention and commentary as it raised legal questions of wide and general importance in the context of English seated arbitrations. A lot has been said and written about it, and we do not intend to go into the facts of the case or the parties' arguments. We are only looking today at how this decision has affected the practice in commodities and shipping arbitrations, and whether we have seen any differences since the decision was handed down around six months ago. So, briefly, the Supreme Court was asked to decide two issues. One, whether overlapping arbitrator appointments could be accepted without these resulting in the appearance of bias on the part of the arbitrator, and two, whether such appointments could be accepted without giving disclosure. The Supreme Court decided that all arbitrators have a duty of disclosure concerning facts and circumstances which would or might reasonably give rise to the appearance of bias. It also decided that acceptance of multiple overlapping appointments may have to be disclosed in accordance with usual practice in the relevant type of arbitration. The Supreme Court judges said that failure to disclose an appointment in overlapping arbitrations may amount to apparent bias and will be one factor taken into account in deciding whether there was a real possibility of bias. So why did the LMAA and GAFTA intervene in the Supreme Court judgment? Well, in LMAA and GAFTA arbitrations, multiple overlapping appointments are very common. These types of arbitrations often deal with strings of really broadly similar contracts. And that's considered normal by the parties to those arbitrations. The parties simply don't expect arbitrators to disclose multiple appointments in the same way. It's seen as a normal way to eliminate the risk of inconsistent findings over a long string of similar contracts. So in its judgment, the Supreme Court agreed with GAFTA and the LMAA that there was an established custom or practice in LMAA and GAFTA arbitrations by which parties seem to have accepted that an arbitrator may take on such multiple appointments without disclosure. 
So for the time being, it appears that GAFTA and LMAA arbitrations are somewhat of an exception to the rule otherwise laid down in the Chubb case. So Thor, how has the LMAA reacted to the Supreme Court decision? On the 30th of November 2020, the LMAA released a a short statement about the Halliburton and Chubb case. It said, The UK Supreme Court has clearly recognised the particular characteristics of London maritime arbitration, and especially that disclosure requirements in maritime cases may be different from those in arbitrations in the wider commercial world. The issues involved in arbitrations involving chains of charter parties or multiple bill of lading holders are cases in point. So after that, it was speculated in some commentary in the shipping community that the LMAA might in due course make amendments to its LMAA rules to clarify the arbitrator's obligations of disclosure in certain circumstances. However, on the 26th of April of this year, the LMAA released its brand new terms and procedures, which will be effective as of the 1st of May. But these terms contain no such clarification at all as to an arbitrator's obligation of disclosure. So have you seen any change in the shipping arbitration practice since the decision of the Supreme Court? To be honest, we really haven't seen much of a change and we can certainly say there's been no real united, consolidated change in practice by the LMA arbitrators. We actually haven't experienced um, any arbitrator making a disclosure or requesting the client's consent prior to accepting a repeated appointment up and down a, a chain of contracts. And we have seen only very isolated examples of arbitrators, not at all the unified or consolidated approach, in making disclosures as to the number of times they've been appointed by a particular firm of solicitors. Indeed, when that happens, it it has uh, been a bit unexpected and caused some certain lack of clarity as to whether an appointment has been confirmed or not until all the parties have consented. However, that particular point was not really the the ratio uh, of Halliburton and Chubb. We haven't so far seen any clients being particularly reticent at all about making repeat appointments. It seems to us that the risk of inconsistent decisions along a chain of contracts could be of much more concern to parties than appearance of bias. Rassia, what about you? What have you seen in GAFTA arbitrations? How have they reacted to the Supreme Court decision? Well, the position in commodities arbitration is not actually much different. The Supreme Court decision was welcomed by GAFTA. GAFTA was pleased that its arbitration practices were recognised by the Supreme Court. We know that the effect of this judgment was considered carefully by GAFTA and was discussed among the members of the GAFTA Arbitration Committee. We were all waiting to see whether there would be any new guidelines for the arbitrators or any amendments to the existing rules. However, and not surprisingly, given the clear decision of the Supreme Court 
and the acceptance of an established customs and practice within GAFTA arbitrations, uh, similar to the LMAA practice, GAFTA did not consider it necessary to introduce any changes to its rules and code of conduct for arbitrators as a result of this decision. So no change there, really. And actually, we expect that the the same or similar approach will be taken by FOSFA, another commodity arbitration association, which has similar arbitral rules and is seen as an institution with a similar established custom and practice. We have not seen, at least not yet, any change in its rules and guidelines for arbitrations. Mm. And have you seen any change in practice at all? Again, unsurprisingly, the the position is similar to the position in uh, shipping arbitrations. We have uh, only seen very few isolated examples of arbitrators making disclosures they wouldn't normally make. And this is clearly as a result of uh, this decision. For example, and before confirming an appointment, we have seen very few arbitrators disclosing to both parties the fact that they, they have been appointed by the same party or by the same law firm on other cases. So I think some arbitrators have started being a bit cautious, actually, when it comes to several repeat appointments. We have also seen clients reviewing their practices, in fact, very few clients, uh, and, and being cautious with regard to the choice of an arbitrator. Some clients have started avoiding repeat appointments and are considering more carefully now the arbitrator's impartiality, any risk of apparent bias, uh, any duties of disclosure. They seem to be a bit more worried now about any potential challenges to arbitrator appointments, I think. And interestingly, we have seen very few unsuccessful and mainly tactical challenges. So we have seen parties seeking to challenge an arbitrator appointment on the basis of the arbitrator's failure to make certain disclosure. For example, failure to disclose previous involvement in other similar cases for the same party. But as I said, from what we've seen, at least so far, these these challenges have not uh, succeeded. So to conclude, based on all of this and the reaction we have seen so far by the LMAA and GAFTA, and also by parties, arbitrators, legal advisors, I think we we can draw following few conclusions. There is an indication that we may see increased disclosures by arbitrators concerning previous appointments by the same parties or the same law firms and or on similar matters. It seems at the moment that the parties and arbitrators are content with repeat appointments in string situations involving claims under similar contracts 
within GAFTA or the LMAA. We might even see disclosures where arbitrators are appointed on matters involving the same set of facts, but different contracts, perhaps. And finally, failure to disclose may potentially lead to more challenges, tactical or not. In such case, the party should be cautious when responding to a challenge. However, this is a a different topic. And in fact, uh, arbitrator challenges can be a topic for one of our future episodes. So stay tuned. And with this, we would like to end this podcast. Thank you for joining us. And we hope you will join us again for another Trading Straits episode. Trading Straits is a Reed Smith production. Our producer is Ali McArdle. For more information about Reed Smith's energy and natural resources or transportation practices, please email tradingstraits at reedsmith.com. You can find our podcast on Spotify, Apple, Google, Stitcher and reedsmith.com and our social media accounts at reedsmithllp on LinkedIn, Facebook and Twitter. This podcast is provided for educational purposes. It does not constitute legal advice and is not intended to establish an attorney-client relationship, nor is it intended to suggest or establish standards of care applicable to particular lawyers in any given situation. Prior results do not guarantee a similar outcome. All rights reserved.